We read of someone bringing a right offering to the Lord. The text of the message, John 12, verses 1 to 11. Read this together. It's on page 898. Hear the word of the Lord. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we read this passage, also this morning's reading in John 11, we see that our Lord Jesus, who knew he had to suffer and to die, did not shrink away from this need, the suffering. He did not try avoid the anger of the Jewish people. He went to the Passover celebration in Jerusalem, even though he knew it was dangerous for him. He spent some time in Ephraim, then he went up to Jericho where he healed some blind people, and then finally he made his way to Bethany, a few kilometers south of Jerusalem. And Jesus did all this knowing that his enemies had taken their stand against him. They had made the definitive decision that they were going to kill Jesus Christ. But the question was, what about his friends? He knew what his enemies were up to, but what about his friends? How would the prophecies in the Old Testament about his friends rejection and abandonment of the Son of God, how would they be fulfilled? How would his friends contribute to his suffering? Jesus' visit to Bethany added to his suffering by showing him that even his friends could not grant him relief from the wrath of God. And as we walk with our Lord Jesus Christ, as we're reading through the Gospels, as we're, we're thinking about what he suffered for us and in our place, we really want there to be something positive for him to experience. We have trouble seeing and believing that God would abandon his own son to such a degree 
that there could not even be one friend left. Could it be that our sins are really that bad that Jesus needed to suffer completely alone in order to satisfy the wrath of God against our sins? As our text today carries us inside the home of his dear friends in Bethany, the resounding message is clear. There was no escape for our Lord Jesus Christ from the burden of God's wrath. The Father in heaven did not permit his Son to even forget about his impending death. There was no moment of levity. God's wrath was upon him, and Jesus had to see it. And so do we, so that we never have to doubt that he truly suffered everything that we deserve. And I preach to you this gospel under this theme, God used expensive oil to show Jesus how much he would suffer for us. You see, this is a second part of the explanation of what we confess also of the suffering of our Lord Jesus in Lord's Day 15. God used expensive oil to show Jesus how much he would have to suffer for us. And we'll see that he was anointed to be buried and he was appointed to be betrayed. So we picture, we, we get the picture of what our Lord Jesus experienced when we compare Matthew 26, Mark 14, and John 12. And then we learn that six days before the Passover, Jesus was in the town of Bethany, just south of Jerusalem. And although it depends a little bit on how you count the days, the dinner that we read about in our text was probably the day after the Sabbath, so on the Sunday before his death. Simon the leper hosted a dinner. And by the fact that Martha was serving, we learn that Simon was well known to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and perhaps Simon was even Martha's husband. The account of John connects this meal very closely to the raising of Lazarus, not only in its position, but also in the mention of Lazarus' name. And he highlights for us that Martha was serving, Lazarus was reclining at the table, and Mary was the woman that Mark was speaking about who poured out the oil. And a meal for out-of-town friends and family would not be uncommon at this time. It was Passover. People were coming from the country. They were all going toward Jerusalem. Bethany would be a great spot to stop over. It was a time of celebration. And so John highlights this, this meal was extra special. It was a meal in honor of Jesus Christ because he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And that was where Lazarus was. He was there. And you can even picture it, head to head, reclining around the table beside Jesus Christ. The giver of life was eating a meal beside the man he had raised from the dead. And if we remember that it was the first, that it was the time of the Passover celebration, and that it was made even richer by the fact that the living Lazarus was there, then we could see that the general mood of this meal 
described in John 12 as we come into it. It's a mood of, of celebration and joy. The escape from Egypt, redemption of the firstborn sons through the blood of the Lamb, the opening of heaven's doors through the Old Testament sacrifices. It was all things they were speaking about as they were eating and, and celebrating together. And then even, yes, the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. The powerful voice of Jesus Christ who said to a dead corpse, come out, and the corpse came out. Lazarus is the picture of life that God brings through his son, Jesus Christ. And by reclining at the table with Lazarus, the Lord Jesus was, was revealing to all people how they might be saved. And Jesus' friends seem in, intent on celebrating this life. It appears that this is why they had the meal, meal together, why Lazarus was also a guest of honor, why Martha shows her thankfulness through her, her normal act of, of serving, and why Mary anoints the Lord Jesus with the oil of gladness. Everything seems to be pointing to good times. Things were back to normal. You can imagine Mary and Martha just looking at Lazarus alive. What a, what a joyful occasion. And yet, the lamb of the Passover was there as well. The lamb of God was seeing things differently, was seeing what, lie, what was lying ahead of him, laying ahead of him. We could think about that a little bit. If, if animals have feelings, what does the sheep that is about to be sacrificed at the Passover feast feel right before he is slaughtered? Jesus, the Lamb of God, certainly had feelings and emotions. His imminent death was on his mind. And you see the tension at this feast, this feast of celebration that was possible through the lamb, and yet the lamb was there at the feast. Jesus knew that he was on his way to be crucified. That changed the look of the dinner, Simon the leper's house. Although the meal might have been joyful for some, our Father in heaven did not give his son, Jesus Christ, this privilege. And we read in verse 3, Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. That pure nard ointment that was probably imported from India, cost the equivalent of 300 days of wages. Almost a year of work. God, what does that mean to you? How much money is that? If you look in line and just see what it would be for minimum wage, and Alberta's the highest, so we'll go with that, $30,000. $30,000 worth of oil poured out on someone. 
and not just on the, on the head and body, as Matthew and Mark mention, but also on Jesus' feet. His whole body is anointed at this celebratory feast. And in this awkward intrusion in the meal, Mary emptied the body, the, the bottle on Jesus' body in an audacious display of emotion. It reminds us of the royal wedding song of Psalm 45 that we will sing together, in which the groom is anointed with the oil of gladness beyond his companions so that all his robes are fragrant. The scene reminds us also of the humility of Ruth at the feet of Boaz. It reminds us of that gratitude of the sinful woman in Luke 7 who also anointed Jesus' head with oil. It's clearly a different situation, but it points to the sign of gratitude. And whether Mary anointed Jesus to show her gratitude for Lazarus' life or because she was aware that he was about to die, it's clear she wanted to honor him. She wanted him to feel this love. However, as the fragrance of the perfume filled the room, it was not royal wedding songs, many happy returns, or life that filled Jesus' mind and heart. Rather, that anointing oil turned to remind him that he was the promised Passover lamb. Reminded him that God was pouring out his wrath against him to forsake him completely. The fragrance filling the room and the oil poured about upon him from head to foot while he was reclining at the table pointed him to the procedures that were followed when the dead were wrapped up in linen cloths and placed in a tomb. Jesus could see that Mary had poured this oil out upon him to prepare him for his burial. She did it out of beautiful love and devotion. And yet God used it to also heighten the sorrow of his suffering. Jesus had a mission to complete, and Mary reminded him of that. He couldn't stay here on the earth any longer. Mary anointed him as if he was an, an earthly king. His enemies would honor him in the same way when they gave him a, a crown of thorns and a purple robe declared him on the cross to be king of the Jews. Not even Jesus' friends could understand the purpose of his work. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were filled with love and good intentions. And the, extent, and the expensive ointment shows the extent of their commitment to him. And yet the signs of their love didn't take away the need for his sacrifice. John highlights this, the irony again. He shows us that the life giver was anointed to die at the very celebration of Lazarus' life. While Jesus' own betrayer rebukes Mary for showing this love to Jesus. How do you follow up an anointing like that? 
$30,000 of liquid poured out upon Jesus. This audacious show of devotion, the awkward interruption. John tells us that Judas Iscariot was disgusted by the $30,000 of liquid poured out upon Jesus. Matthew and Mark tell us that many others could see Judas' point of view. They even scolded Mary. And as the expensive oil, the smell of it was filling the room, Jesus could hear the reactions of the people around him. He could hear what they thought of him. He could hear what they said. And Jesus, or Judas's words showed that he believed that honoring Jesus in this way was a waste. It was not a good use of resources. Now perhaps if Jesus had been anybody else in the history of the world, and even if this had happened to anyone after the ascension of Jesus Christ, Judas may have been able to argue his point with us. It's not good to honor any person with such extravagance if there are hungry and thirsty people around. But the problem is that Judas was treating Jesus like an ordinary man and letting him hear that straight out. Judas' reaction to Mary's act of devotion exposed that even though he had been a disciple following Jesus around for much of his ministry, Judas failed to recognize that Jesus is the Son of God who was sent to earth from heaven. It shows us that even Jesus didn't manage to convince everybody he talked to to believe in him. We do our mission work, we share the, the faith. Notice that even the Lord Jesus didn't convince Judas to follow him. Judas did not realize that he was a part of a definitive step of the unrepeatable, once in eternity history of God's redemption of his people. No person will ever be given the same opportunity as Lazarus and Martha and Mary were given. All anyone could do after that moment was remember what Mary had done, like we saw on the display text, Mark 14, verse 9. When Jesus answers Judas and he comforts Mary, he focuses on the uniqueness of this opportunity, the once-for-all aspect of his sacrifice. He says, the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. Those last words help us to understand that Jesus was not saying that the poor are not important. But he was saying that no one will ever need to choose between honoring Jesus six days before his death and giving to the poor. The Lord Jesus teaches us that there is a close connection between honoring Jesus Christ and caring for the poor. Although we don't want to allow extravagance and worship and life to cause misery to the poor. At the same time, social activism should not impoverish 
the honor that we bestow on Jesus Christ. Well, John doesn't tell us how rich Mary was, although it's possible that she was very wealthy. Doesn't tell us whether the expensive oil was inherited, was purchased, or perhaps it was oil that she sold for the business that she took off her shelf. Doesn't tell us how generous Mary was to the poor, because this has nothing to do with Judas' criticism. Sadly, Judas' comments are far removed from serious inquiry into what's the best use of our gifts. John tells us that Judas didn't even really care for the poor. He was just a greedy thief. The expensive ointment showed, exposed Judas for what he was. Now the sadness of Judas' unbelief, however, is that it did not come after calculated evaluation of who Jesus was. He wasn't rationally evaluating what Jesus was offering and what the world was offering, but Judas was rejecting our Lord Jesus Christ and disbelieving, turning away from him because he was selfish. It was simple. It was superficial things that were interfering with his faith. He wasn't carefully deciding whether he wanted forgiveness of sins and eternal life or not, but Judas could only see the money. And his focus on the money blinded him to everything else. He couldn't see anybody but himself. We think of our own lives. We spend a lot of time pursuing that career, a lot of time worrying and thinking about money. You can see how quickly we can ignore the gospel, the faith, because we're so focused on money and riches. God had ordained it that the very person that Jesus put in charge of the money bag was a thief who loved money more than Jesus. And we're coming up to nominations now. That was not an example that we should follow when we're looking for deacons. This is a very unique time in the history of salvation. It was a part of the justice of God. It was a part of his plan to make Jesus suffer even at the hands of those around him. Though trusted by our Lord Jesus as a treasurer, Judas betrayed his master's trust. And Judas caused harm to all those who could have been helped by that treasury bag that Jesus and his disciples kept. Judas' reaction to Mary's anointing made it clear to our Lord Jesus that he was appointed to be betrayed. In fact, when it comes to the meal, he even can identify who his betrayer is. Even his close friend could not be trusted. Matthew goes on to tell us that when Judas saw that he couldn't steal from Mary's money in the treasury bag, he went and he sold himself to the Pharisees as a spy. He said, I'm willing to betray Jesus to deliver him over to you for 30 pieces of silver. When we compare Mary with Judas, 
We can see why our Lord Jesus defends Mary's act of devotion. In Matthew, the Lord said that Mary's act of devotion was a beautiful thing. In John 12, verse 7, although the translation is very difficult, Jesus says that Mary should not be rebuked or criticized so that she may keep it for the day of his burial. Although we don't know much about, we don't know how much Mary understood about what she was doing in that moment, Jesus tells Judas and the disciples that when he is finally buried, Mary will be able to look back on this moment with thankfulness. She will be able to look back and see that that anointing was actually very timely. It was something that she could keep with her for a long time. It would serve as an example for the church of devotion. Although she may have misunderstood at the time, Jesus' words assured her that she had not wasted her expensive oil on him. He considered her love to be beautiful and perhaps even subtly letting her know that he saw the connection to Psalm 45 when he, uh, he tells her that what she had done will be remembered for all generations. If you look at Psalm 45, verse 17, it's mentioned there as well, this act of devotion will be remembered for all generations. But when we read Jesus' reply to Judas, we are amazed at his gracious way of dealing with his betrayer. It was clear that our Lord Jesus Christ had come voluntarily. That our Lord Jesus Christ saw the wrath of God behind the people that he set in Jesus' path. It is clear that our Lord Jesus did not feel angry at God for this punishment, but that he came willingly to suffer for us and in our place. It was the plan. And that expensive oil showed Jesus how much he would have to suffer. Even his friends would not understand exactly who he was. And so he went to the cross alone. His friends would not be able to help him to avoid death. In fact, he would be betrayed by one of his own disciples. And yet our Lord Jesus Christ went to that cross with determination and with gracefulness, nobility. He was not bitter with his betrayer. He did not resent that he had to die for undeserving sinners. He did not grow frustrated with his loved ones seeming ignorance, but he was patient with them and he was gracious to them. And he made the resolution to go to that Passover celebration and to be the Lamb of God given for the sins of the world. Brothers and sisters, the Jesus, the mediator that we worship and adore, who bore so much suffering, he was gentle like a lamb, even when he knew what the people around him were really like. He truly desired to give his life for us. 
is a ransom for our lives. That is a Jesus, the Lord Jesus, that we hold up before us in our task, in our lives. Because you see that 30 pieces of silver you may gain now for denying his lordship and rejecting his salvation are not better than the eternal peace that you can have with this king who rose from the dead. Rather, when we look at it, we can see it like Mary did. A year's wages, $30,000. It's really a very small thing to give to an eternal king. What is one small jar of oil? A mere $30,000 compared to eternal life. Seen through the eyes of faith, we see who our Savior really is. Let us honor the Lord with our whole heart and soul and mind and strength. Amen.